Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Amsterdam, Netherlands with my new friend Kyle Kroger of Viatravelers.com. Kyle originally visited Amsterdam as a study abroad student a decade ago. After becoming a travel blogger, he moved his family there to enjoy the history and lifestyle of the city. In this episode, Kyle and I talk about visiting the Anne Frank House, seeing the windmills at Sanchans, and taking a canal boat tour. Hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting the Netherlands, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Kyle's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Amsterdam. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Today, we're talking about Amsterdam. It's a destination I've been to a few times, and I really loved it. So many different like cultural aspects of it, uh, historical aspects, and just a lot of fun. So it's great to have you on to be able to talk about uh, your experiences there. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. The, the, yeah, it's a city that's uh, been very important to me, and uh, it's been kind of a milestone to be here and make myself a local. And so, yeah, excited to talk about it. Nice, nice. And so, like, uh, as far as your connection to the city, I know you've been there a few times, and then you you recently moved there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, the, how I ended up here really is um, originally I'm from Minnesota, from Minneapolis. I uh, a decade ago, pl- decade plus ago, basically, I was a study abroad student, naive, uh, kind of traveling Europe, backpacking through Europe, and. I ended up in Amsterdam and I was just so enamored with the culture, the lifestyle, the action that it didn't even take me 24 hours to say to myself, like, I need to figure out a a way to kind of live here someday as just sort of a personal goal. And yeah, goal building of of just expanding my horizons and knowing what you kind of want to experience. And so, yeah, fast forward to today, um, had a couple things in the works and and built a, a travel website and a travel brand. Um, and I think like being here was a big part to help unlock a number of different creative ideas and also explore the rest of Europe. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about being in Europe. Once you get over, you know, across the Atlantic, it's super easy to get around in Europe, whether it's train or, or planes. And so just being over there, it kind of opens up a whole, a whole new world for you. And it's, it's kind of funny that I, I've seen like a, a meme on, on Instagram a lot recently. It's like, Within 24 hours of arriving at whatever destination you're at, you're like, oh, I could possibly live here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Rana, so if people are planning a, to visit Amsterdam, uh, what type of year would you recommend them coming to visit based on the weather or based on like different attractions or, or festivals or whatever that happen throughout the year? Obviously, summer is going to be like the absolute, you know, tip top best time. But, you know, that being said, it's, it's going to be crowded. 
Amsterdam has been dealing with over-tourism. That's no surprise. You have a very kind of tight-knit, dense area right in the city center that's very old. And a lot of people are in there and it, it, can, it can be very challenging to sort of get around or even museums are, are, are packed. But there's also a lot of good festivals. The weather is beautiful. The parks in Amsterdam are absolutely phenomenal. So if you're a person that loves just a simple, quiet day at a park and a picnic with really good food, European food, it's, it's great. And then there's also music festivals of all kind. There's free concerts in the park all the time. But that being said, you know, tulip season is obviously very popular in the spring when the tulip bulbs are blooming. But right now, I mean, we've had 50 degree, you know, we have 50 degree weather so far in uh, December and January. And it's actually been quite pleasant. A great sunny day. You can still go into the parks and tourism is completely different than what you'd see in the summer. So if you're more of a museum person, you come to Amsterdam in maybe the win- winter and fa- or late fall, you'll have the experience of not waiting in long lines, being able to actually check out the art and absorb the art without having hordes of people around you um, versus summer is a completely different story. In summer, you're going to want to spread out, be outside, get into the parks, get into the festivals um, and enjoy your time outside. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, and I know there's you know, so many great museums there. We'll talk about them, like the Van Gogh Museum and, and everything else. So let's talk about if somebody wants to go there, coming from the United States, how do we actually get to Amsterdam? Uh, do we fly directly into the airport there as far as a direct flight, or do we have to stop somewhere along the way, you know, like in London or something like that? Depending on where you're coming from, you may need to connect in the United States, but you should be at least one spot maybe in the United States and then get to Amsterdam from there. But most, even more than that, if you live in a metropolitan area in the U.S., there's a good chance you can get to Amsterdam directly, which makes it actually very affordable to visit. There's flight deals all the time. Being from Minneapolis, another consideration for us living here is that you know we want to make it accessible for family to visit. And there's three direct nonstop flights to Amsterdam from Minneapolis per day. So that's that's huge. And large metropolitan areas. I just found out actually I was uh, potentially going to Costa Rica and there's actually a flight directly to Costa Rica from here. We have the benefit of a very, very big airport with nearly every airline that can fly into here. So it's Schiphol Airport and uh, yeah, every airline, you know, flies into here. So you should be able to get here. And then once you're here, uh, there's great public transportation to get into the city center from, from the airport. So yeah, stay alert of just kind of flight deals and you should be able to get here, uh, at your leisure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. My, my son and I, we visited in October of 19 and we actually flew from Nashville to Chicago because Nashville doesn't have that many international flights, but from Chicago, we were able to fly on, on KLM. And one of the things I love about KLM is that if you fly business class, they have these cute little houses that, yes. uh, that they hand out to all the passengers uh, in business class and they're awesome. They're collectible, but uh, they actually have alcohol inside them. So be careful. <laughs> don't, don't drop them or anything like that because they will it'll leak. But um, now, like you said, once we arrive in Schiphol Airport, from there, I found that the public transportation was was amazing. Uh, you don't need to rent a car, right? When you're when you're visiting, it's just better to just take the public transportation. Yeah, I honestly would advise against it. I've never driven through here, and uh, <laughs> don't plan on doing it because I know I would be completely stressed out just dealing with um, the dynamics of bikers, mopeds, walkers, you know, the whole nine yards. It's uh, everything but cars kind of thing of people swarming around. And so 
and not necessarily swarming around, but basically you have dynamics of like three different types of bike lanes. And so, or walking or pedestrian lanes, if you will. Uh, so p- public transportation is great. Getting from the airport, you can still, you know, a ride share is pretty easy. Uh, for me, getting to where I live is about 15 minutes in a ride share from the airport. And you're talking about a big airport going into a, a decently sized city. You know, in the rest of Europe, if you're flying to something like Charles de Gaulle or Heathrow, I mean, you're looking 40, you know, 40 minutes. Um, and if traffic's, if there's traffic, like, push that into an hour and even above that. And so actually very fortunate of the ease of optionality between rail, public transportation, or then ride share to get into the city. But then once you're in here, I would say being on a bike, foot, boat, or public transportation, anything other than car is the way to go. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I know my experience walking around was like, it was super easy. Take the public transportation. If you're going a little bit longer distance, uh, we didn't rent a bike while we were there, but I, I saw that there there were bikes pretty much everywhere. And I think that is like the preferred mode of transportation for most people, certainly the locals while you're there. Yeah, I love I riding a bike in Amsterdam is like a whole different experience. I I loved walking and touring cities and still do touring cities in Europe uh, just on foot. But like biking here is like a it's like a free amusement park. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm like I, I'm like. I can't wait to get on my bike again. You know, I think that's also a testament of the way they kind of built and laid out the city with the bike lanes being kind of having their own carved out safe space in a way where you just kind of need to keep going. And I'm a person that likes to go fast. So if you keep going and, you know, it can be a lot of fun winding through and, you know, getting anywhere in 10 to 15 minutes. Absolutely. Plus, plus, like you said, that since it is such an older city, the roads are a lot more narrow than we're used to the United States. And so it's, it's easier for like a bike to get on there than it is the big old SUVs that we have here in the United States. Right. Right. I think back in the day, there was actually a lot of car density in the city center. Everyone realized and city planning realized that that's just isn't going to work in an old city like this. And it's, it's very, it was very, you know, counterproductive to the infrastructure and the history and legacy of the city. And so with their, their planning and, you know, biking, helps kind of preserve the legacy of uh, the canal ring and the, and the old town of Amsterdam. Speaking of the canal ring and, and uh, the kind of like the history of the city, what are some of the things we should be, we should be doing while we're visiting there? Obviously like the Anne Frank house is probably one of the number one destinations, uh, tourist destinations for, for people when they visit. Yeah, I think it is obligatory in a way of, of the Anne Frank house and the Van Gogh museum between those two, they're two very, very different stories. But, you know, they're obviously very inspiring and moving in their own way. And people need to see that. So if you're a first time visitor, like you kind of just need you need to bookmark it because you're not going to get that display. And they're so distinct from each other, like Van Gogh Museum. The presentation of the art and his story is very moving and also uh, spurs creativity. And Frank House is very inspiring, sad and also like helps you like realize and appreciate history and a lot that was going on during that time. And it's just so, you know, moving in, in a variety of ways beyond that. I mean, there's a lot of times where people will say that a city can fit any type of traveler. I honestly think that Amsterdam is a city that actually like actually does that. There's a lot of people that'll say, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, Copenhagen or, or, or Berlin, like you can, you can, ex- any type of traffic can experience, what they want to get something out of the city that they want. 
I don't know if other cities have the same level that Amsterdam does. There's so many different routes of what you can experience culturally or even activity-wise or history-wise. There's just any route can, can happen. And even just walking through the canals uh, and just walking and ex- looking at the architecture on your own, throw in a podcast and walk around or throw in some music and walk around if you're just solo traveling or you're going out you know, to pick up something. That alone can be very inspiring and changing for you. Obviously, I'm a big advocate of getting on the water. Seeing the city from the canals is a whole different thing. And between biking, canals, and walking, you're going to have three different distinct, very distinct experiences of the city. And it just doesn't get that much better than that. Absolutely. So like when I was there with my son in, in, in 2019, one thing I messed up on is I didn't book ahead for the Anne Frank tour because when I was there a few years ago before that uh, with my buddy Dave, we were able to just walk right in and be able to tour it. And again, like you said, it is it, very powerful and, and emotional being able to, to just, you know, you read the book, you know, growing up in, in school and you kind of, kind of have like a picture in your mind. But what I actually saw when I went through it myself, it was like far darker almost, you know, like as far as like actually experiencing it and seeing it yourself. But I wasn't able to do that with my son because again, I, I messed up and I didn't book ahead and they have a limited number of tickets every day. So if you are going to Amsterdam and, and you are planning your trip, make sure you, as soon as that window opens, book your ticket right away or you know, book up with like a, a tour company or something like that and kind of get that markup price uh, in order to be able to actually visit it yourself. The Van Gogh Museum was really amazing with my son because they actually have like a little like scavenger map where they encourage the kids to, you know, I mean, most kids or even adults don't really care so much about like the artwork. They walk around. Oh, that's a cool painting. You know, they just kind of move on. But they had this little scavenger map and it, the kids had to walk around and like look for for different things within the paintings or different you know, phrases within the descriptions of the painting. So it, it kind of made it a little more of an interactive experience for them. And I think it it's something that encouraged children to understand and, and to appreciate the museum a lot more than if they just walked in and were kind of tugging along with an adult and not really enjoying themselves. Yeah. And, and from a local's perspective, honestly, like there's actually in the back of Van Gogh museum, there's a kid's section that that's sort of like an after school kids art classes that you can you can have your kids go and, and do they they can learn to paint in uh, impressionism like van gogh oh wow and i'm yeah, at the moment my my daughter's not old enough yet to be a part of it but it is like an after school program and you can actually see them if you're walking around the museum you can see it's all glass windows and and there's kids painting on uh on easels and uh, you can kind of see it but my daughter's not old enough yet to to join it but uh, as soon as she's old enough getting her in that uh, that class they make it a f- they make it fun so shout out to Van Gogh Museum because the way they present everything not only just a story the scavenger hunt that you you mentioned kids classes the way to kind of take art to uh, help people uh, look at things that in a d- different lens that's so cool now speaking of going to the Van Gogh Museum and some of the other attractions that are there one of the things that I found that that really helps kind of save money and being able to skip lines and those types of things was the the i Amsterdam card. I think that was a I think that's a must for for anybody trying to kind of maximize their trip when they're visiting Amsterdam. Do, do you agree? Yeah, it's back. I mean, it's back by the city. So you're going to get the most all encompassing like pass normally. 
I'm not always about the passes because it includes like a mixed bag of things you probably, you know, things you want to do and then things you probably wouldn't do. This is like an all-encompassing pass that has the essentials of everything you would need. I think it has some of the most exclusive museums that no other city card has. I think that would include like things like Anne Frank and Van Gogh, but then also a transportation card. The local tramway is called GVB. And with that GVB card, you can have unlimited rides on the tram. So if you're if you're only in Amsterdam for a couple of days and you need to see the city efficiently, having that, you can ride around and get one spot to another incredibly efficiently. And it's all going to be included and wrapped in there, along with all the other museums, which Amsterdam has a ton of museums beyond just Anne Frank. There's Moco Museum, which is modern contemporary. There's Stedelijk, uh, Lake, which is a modern art museum and so many others with the history of the city. And so it, it really is an all encompassing card and you're going to be, be able to see some stuff and include some day trips as well, actually out to Zanschanz and see the windmills and, and other towns outside of uh, Amsterdam. Right on. Yeah. Wow. Well, when we were there, I took my son to see Zanschanz and that was cool being able to see like the windmills, like you don't really think that much about them and they look like they're, they're kind of moving slowly, but if you're sending up close, and that windmill is, is churning, man, that thing comes by you like a, like a rocket. Right. <laughs> and then the, it's, it's kind of fun to walk around and be able to climb up inside, you know, the, the windmills and just, it's a truly like unique experience. Yeah. And not a lot of people appreciate the fact that those windmills are pumping water. So like, they'll look like they're moving slow. They're, they're moving faster, but also it, there's a lot of inertia going in from that wind kind of pumping, you know, pumping that water because water isn't necessarily light especially at scale. And so, and it's in a way like indigenous where that was such a requirement of figuring out this water problem. And, and the Netherlands in general is going to be dealing with this water problem forever, but they kind of way back in the day developed this method and it's sort of an approach that they can still stand by today. And so it was like, that's why it's so monumental within the history of Holland and Netherlands. Oh, I totally agree. Now, one of the other things that I did when I was there with my buddy Dave is I like to drink beer and they, Heineken is made there. And, and so they actually have this Heineken experience. And you know, sometimes you go on a beer, like a brewery tour, and it's like, okay, here's our, our malt and our hops and whatever, whatever. But I think it was like, it was a really cool interactive experience, like throughout the whole thing. So it's almost like a, just a, a fun interactive thing. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be about beer versus like normal brewery tours. It's here's all of our beer. And like you just happen to, go on a tour. Yeah, I actually just recently went there with, with some family uh, visiting. It was the second time doing it as well. And the second time it was like even more fun than the first actually, because you kind of were able to absorb like different angles that you I probably wasn't. And oh, sure. it's interactive. There's a lot of like electronic involvement. It's not just your ordinary brewery tour. The first time I didn't come up with the term, but the second time I did, and the term I call it is, is it's like a science museum for beer. Is I don't know the best way to explain it because you're kind of just trying stuff out and seeing the way it's marketed, tasting it. It's yeah, it uh, doesn't get much better than that. I agree. I agree. Now, a couple things that that Amsterdam is known for, uh, obviously the red light district, and then like the cannabis tourism, right? And so obviously we want to make sure we talk about those a little bit. It's funny enough, I actually, I got a book a, co- a couple of years ago, somebody sent me called Amsterdam Exposed. It's like a, basically a story of a, a college student who goes to Amsterdam and they basically befriends, you know, one of the, one of the workers there in the red light district. And 
it's a really cool story. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show note. But as far as like the red light district with you living there, like how does that interact? Obviously, is it more like a tourism thing or is it something that like affects the locals as well? It's very much a tourism thing in a way. At the same time, I'm not a full-fledged local yet. I think I'd love the city so much that I probably could speak in a lot of similar parallels as somebody that's been here for multiple years, I would say. But I actually love that that area of the Red Light District because of the history, the architecture. I think there was the stat was that there's several hundred national historic landmarks just within the one canal of the Red Light District, which would make up like... I don't know the percentage, but it would, there's several hundred, but they're all net of the national landmarks. Like it's a, it's not a majority, but it's a, a material amount of the nation's like preserved canal houses uh, because that is the old area. And there's actually, there's some great brown bars is what they, what you'd call it is, you know, a pub, uh, a beer bar, um, a cafe that is more focused on drinks rather than food and, and uh, coffee and, and they're they're excellent. And going to some of those that are historic and sitting and people watching, you'll never know what you're going to get. And that's kind of half the fun. And sometimes, you know, look, tourism isn't a bad thing because uh, sometimes it's kind of action. And if you're sitting back and observing and watching, that's probably the more fun perspective than kind of joining too much of the crowd or the mix. But uh, it is a fun area. If you're younger, you know, you got to go experience it. You got to see it. There's a lot of different cool places. And honestly, that area is slowly being developed into a, a number of different uh, young entrepreneurs are opening businesses there that are oriented around like like fashion, clothing, music. There's a couple production studios that are, are right in the mix. And so it's actually been evolving slowly into sort of more of like a, a younger, modern, eclectic area for people to to become a community. Cool. Yeah. And like we talked about, like with like the coffee houses that are, are for the cannabis, from what I understand, it's like technically not legal, but it's something that's not really enforced. And so there's like places like the Bulldog, which is like, I guess, one of the more popular places to go and try cannabis and stuff like that. But yeah, how does that affect the, the, the local culture there? Is that something that it's more just like tourism or is that something that the locals partake in too? Yeah, it's it's fully you know mixed in here. Obviously, you're going to have uh, coffee shops that are going to be a little bit more uh, tourism oriented, and then you're going to have local ones. But you know, if you're at a park, if someone's uh, partaking in smoking, you could be right next to kids playing. It isn't viewed differently as much, and it's just it's a bit more accepted, if you will. And there's a lot of good coffee shops that have so much history that are so fun to go to. Each of them can kind of offer their own little different dynamic. There's a couple ones that like put, you know, people like Snoop Dogg is, you know, it's his, it's his staple spot or like Cypress Hill, their staple spot. And they've been there. Uh, you can see pictures of them on the wall and, and uh, they have really good product, but also it's, it's sort of absorbed and it's, it's here and it's not going to, it's not going to change. It also is, um, I'm going to go to the metaphor route again, I guess, but uh one way I, I think about it is like, you know, if you're going to go to Paris, you go to Paris to appreciate the Parisian cafe culture. In the U.S., there's been some le- legislation about uh, uh, marijuana usage, but you still don't have the like the cafe culture. And that's what you can experience through a coffee shop It's very basically a safe place for you to 
you know, you can have coffee, tea, you know, have just like any cafe and kind of have that cafe culture that is an Amsterdam cafe culture in a way. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely worth kind of checking out and at least uh, seeing how it, how the dynamics work here. That makes a lot of sense. Now, speaking of of that, like, you know, and like kind of leads to like the munchies, et cetera, right? Like as far as like places to, to eat, one of the cool places that I got recommended is this place called uh, Upstairs Pancake House. And that that place is, I guess, is also in the, in the red light district. Uh, but it's like a cool place. You can like literally walk by and not even know it's there. But you walk up this like really like kind of narrow, steep staircase. And there's like this little restaurant that probably f- seats like 15 people. And some of the most delicious pancakes I've ever had. Yeah. So with the Netherlands, right, you had in Holland and the whole history of the Dutch Golden Age, you're going to have a very good mix of eclectic food here. And that obviously overshadows some of the traditional Dutch food. But you're going to have things like Indonesian and, and excellent Afrikaans food, Thai, Indian food. I mean, places from all over the world. And so really, whenever someone's like, oh, what restaurant should you pick in Amsterdam? I was like, what are you hungry for? Because no matter what, you're going to be able to find something within a, a different type of, of food or a different type of cuisine. But th- there's so much. And then even there's a very big uh, and growing sort of Southern Italian culture here that you know has popped up a number of great, great Italian restaurants. In terms of the pack pancake front, you know, there is a, the pancake bakery that, you know, if you do go to Anne Frank House, it's just up uh, a canal. It's similar to the upstairs uh, Panikuken Huis, where it's very kind of this narrow, tight knit. It almost feels like you're kind of walking into a dungeon and have to duck a little bit to get in there. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, serving up some of the best pancakes you probably have. Nice, nice. Like you said, obviously, there's a lot of different styles of food there and, and everything else. But as far as like a more of a traditional like you know, Dutch like experience, do you have any recommendations for, uh, for that? Yeah, uh, a, a great spot, in my opinion, is uh, a place called Moeders. And, and Moeders translates from Dutch to English as mothers. And so inside, and, and you'll probably, if you come into Amsterdam, you'll have to make a reservation in advance before your arrival or even maybe, depending on how long you're here, the day you get here, make it for two days ahead. But it translates to mothers. It's traditional Dutch cooking in kind of a mother's style. So like, you know, your mom's stew. They have a thing called ristafel, and that is basically absorbed from an Indonesian practice where you have a number of different small dishes on like a hot, like hot pot dishes on a circular shareable wheel, if you will. And they serve that there, and that's like their specialty. So you'll have a bunch of different types of stews, chicken, cheeses, and it's all it can be shared as a group. And inside the restaurant, it's pictures of everyone's mom that oh, that's you know cool. has either been there. And so everyone that goes there will sometime, you know, if they're regular, they'll bring a picture of their mom and and you'll see it on the inside. And it's just a warm, very like, yeah, welcoming establishment. And if you're coming in you know, a colder weather, it doesn't get much better than that if you're trying to warm up. Oh, that sounds fantastic. One last thing before we go, as far as like places to stay while we're there in Amsterdam, do you, do you have any couple of recommendations for hotels? I love the Hotel Pulitzer. It's, uh, well, Pulitzer Amsterdam, I think is where they kind of the official branding. Um, I love that spot as more of like a luxury option or a splurge. Obviously, you know, the Pulitzer Prize, uh, American uh, Pulitzer family, over time, bought a number of different canal houses. 
intertwined them all together and developed a, a hotel. And so like over time had to wait to kind of buy <laughs> each house. But then it results in such a unique experience because each room is going to be different within each canal house. And then the way they tell the story of the canal house and kind of relive the history of it uh, within that is just like mind blowing, great experience. And that's over in sort of the Jordan area, which is a very good neighborhood to be in that you're close to everything and also have more, have a little bit of a neighborhood vibe with some, also some great shopping and restaurants. That's really cool. Like a couple of times I, I stay there. Uh, one of my favorites, I, I'm a big Kempton fan. They have a Kempton DeWitt, which is like a really nice hotel. When I was there with my son, I stayed at this place called the Art Hotel, uh, Amsterdam. It's by, by Radisson. It's re- got a really cool vibe in there. Definitely not more like the, the children oriented because there was, <laughs> there were some like sexual scenes, like as far as like uh, statues and, and stuff. So I kind of had to divert his eyes a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's like more like, a, it's more like a place you bring your, your spouse or, or girlfriend or, you know, whatever. I think that's probably a, a better vibe for that. Uh, and then also I say at the Radisson blue, and I think that was really cool because similar to what you, expl- what you explored with like the, the Pulitzer, uh, this one was a couple row houses. I mean, a couple of those houses like connected and then you had to cross a bridge to like to the other side and, uh, of the road. And, and so it was a cool experience for my first time being in Amsterdam. Yeah. I was actually going to say that right before you said it was that uh, the Radisson Blue has a similar setup. And that's it's so unique in the way that they've, they've both done that. And one thing about the contrast, the two is like with Radisson Blue, you're going to be in the heart of the old town. And it's so fun if you, if you kind of like like more lively and more action. You're going to be right smack in the middle of that. And you're going to be... You couldn't even be more city center, like in the middle of the city uh, than that. And uh, it makes for a very, very fun experience. And it makes it super easy to see a lot of the different uh, main old town attractions. Nice. That's really cool. And I, I think um, as far as like if, if somebody wants to be kind of like near that red light district and exploring some of those historic buildings and everything else like that, do you have a recommendation for that? I would say Radisson Blue. There's the Sofitel that's called the Grand Amsterdam. That's actually very, very expensive. Um, but you know, hey, you know, if you're trying to splurge, that's a that's a great option. That's a very famous, famous building. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte actually had uh, taken over that building at one point in time before they moved the city hall and the palace. As an alternative, there's an Intercontinental on the Amstel. And staying on the Amstel is really fun, right? Amstel was there before there was ever a canal ring. It really opens up. It's it's one of the biggest kind of, it's a river, but not, so it's not a canal, but it's it's a, the biggest waterway uh, within the city. And you kind of can see a opening of the gates into the city center. Great old, old canal houses that are right there. You'll be a little bit more south. And so if you are looking for more of a family experience, that's probably a, a great bet because you're going to be close to the Botanical Garden, the Royal uh, the Royal Zoo, as well as East Park, which is just a couple blocks away where it's a giant sprawling park to experience. And uh, with a small daughter myself, uh, yeah, I, I know where all the hotels are close to parks. Let's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Well, right on. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. I learned so much, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Amsterdam, where should they go and what should they eat? 
I honestly think they should go to a place called the pantry. It's playing off of the motors approach, but the pantry is not going to have the Ristoffel uh, traditional sort of, uh, or the not traditional, but Ristoffel adopted kind of Indonesian chair plates. But it is traditional family Dutch cooking, and it has a lot of the replicas of from the Dutch masters of uh, Johannes Vermeer and uh, Rembrandt in there that you know really play into the vibe and excellent Dutch beer as well as uh, excellent Dutch gin. They're uh, some of the nicest people I've ever met. And uh, it's a very small spot, uh, but it's located in the south of the city or just south of the canal ring. Or you can go to the Five Flies, which would be a very, very historic, a little bit more finer dining Dutch experience of Dutch food. It's kind of cool. You can see some of Walt Disney's original sketches because he actually gave the restaurant some of his sketches because he loved it so much. And each of the chairs have... Uh, names engraved of the people that sat there and so you know in a certain room walt disney has his his name on a chair they have actual some original rembrandts in there and so both of which though are dutch food i'm a big fan of you know well i advocate for all the different types of food there's there is here if you're coming here for the first time or you know you want to experience dutch food and get a real taste of it go and do it right at one of these spots. Wow. That's fantastic. Now, like you said, like you visited numerous times before you moved there and, and you've been there now for almost a year. I'm sure you created some really cool memories. What's one of your most memorable? I'd have to honestly go back to, um, so it's going way back to the well, but it is still kind of fun. I, uh, after, you know, visiting a coffee shop or, or two, I, I walked down the street and, and, uh, as a typical tourist, uh, without, acknowledging some of their their surroundings doesn't recognize that there's bikes everywhere um and so i was carrying a muffin and i tripped over an entire row of bikes that uh, i fell in the middle of the street the muffin shot up about 30 feet in the air it felt like maybe not that much but uh, shot up in the middle of the air the whole bike lane the whole bike stack fell over and i fell in the middle of the street and Got a couple laughs out of out of some random people, but um, <laughs> got up, cleaned myself off, carried on with my day. Didn't think about it for a very long time after that, but uh, a couple friend, very close friends that I travel with have actually brought that up quite frequently to remember that uh, that still did actually happen. <laughs> Nothing like true friends to remind you of uh, some of your biggest gaffes. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Amsterdam? Yeah, it's a, it's a legendary spot. Uh, it's very it's a very busy spot, Cafe Hape. So it's uh, Hape is a, a, an old uh, local distiller of uh, Dutch gin, which is called Geneva or Geneva. It's located right in the city center, and it's you know an old old 16th century or 17th century building that's leaning and tilting, but people usually on a good weather day are spilling out the front door of standing outside and enjoying like, yeah, happy hour time, uh, whether <laughs> that be, yeah, Dutch gin or a nice cold Amstel. And even on the inside, it's awesome. It's very classic. It's got giant uh, canvas paintings and they put sand on the floor to help absorb any uh, spillage or uh, among other things, absorb, you know, absorb potentially some mold, uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just a classic spot always happening. 
a good blend of both tourists and locals. Yeah. So you, you can't go wrong there. Right on. Yeah. I, I guess it's one of those things. If you have enough drinks, the, the tilted building will eventually stand up straight. So right. that, wor- that works. <laughs> right. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is like, you know, I always like to have like a slice of home. And so I always look for local pizza. Uh, what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Amsterdam? I'm going to just go traditional, like Neapolitan Italian pizza, uh, which is a place called Manja Pizza. There's two locations now. But, you know, it's, it's Neapolitan pizza is finest. So you'll, it, it's going to be more of like a, you'll have to order it as the like a Diavola or uh, prosciutto or, you know, traditional salami oven cooked. It's just so good. I would, you know, you have to eat it there because Neapolitan pizzas, you know, when they're cooked in a wood fired oven, they need to be fresh. Right. Getting it sort of delivered or, or something is going to be it's going to take some of the experience away. But you can't go wrong. Excellent spot, great people, true Neapolitan pizza at its finest. You walk in there, it's a little slice of Italy, no pun intended, but uh, everyone working there and everyone there is sort of starting to speak Italian. So you walk in and everyone, you know, it's just a little form of Italy right in the middle of Amsterdam. Just can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Obviously, we're we're going to talk about your website here in a minute and and some of the great information that's there available. You you travel all over the world. I'm sure you have some great tips to help you improve your travels and and have a better experience. Which one are your best? I would say when you get into a city, no matter if you're traveling alone or maybe with with your wife or anyone, right? Drop your bags off, find a local bar or find a local restaurant. Go sit down for a little bit. Ask a couple people questions. Just don't do it uh, too loud or excessive, but kind of ask somebody just the friend, friendly questions to get to know and generally understand their lens. Because I think a lot of the reason why I travel is to understand what's behind people's lens, right? And what they see, because there is no right answer. There's no right perspective or, or whatnot. And everyone has a different one. And so the more you can kind of experience that, and then before you know it, it could cascade into finding great new local experiences. And so much of that, when I've visited cities, have become from people I've talked to and not what I've necessarily read on the web. And that's also the reason why I run a website is because I want to bring some of that that I've experienced to the web and not necessarily that, you know, what's been upvoted the most on TripAdvisor, right? And so, It's just a great way. And not only that, the bonus behind that, and it's the most important thing of all, is you're going to really change the way you think about so many different other things and you're going to grow as a person as a result of it. So a little bit of a, you know, kind of emotional side of things. But I think like when you ask why you travel, that can be very fulfilling when you've kind of grown as a person as a result of it. Yeah. I'm one of those annoying people. I'm always like asking locals like, Hey, what do you recommend? And uh, you know, trying to get their tips and trying to get, you know, some of their vibe. But that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is that a lot of people aren't always comfortable talking to locals and getting those tips. And most people that I talk to, they're, they're all super nice and, and willing to share because they love their city and, and they love being able to encourage people to have like a, a really true experience when they visit versus just like kind of like the plastic touristy version that doesn't always kind of get to the heart of the city. So, so that's great. That's an excellent tip. And I I totally agree with that. Now, Kyle, would you mind telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, grew up in Minnesota. I I, had spent a lot of time working in, um, finance as a professional career. Um, I kind of 
knew that I wanted to solve around a a business where I, I was I was already doing it right. So like you know I'd love to travel, and so if I'm traveling, I would love to be talking about it. And so uh, started a content website called viatravelers.com. Very passionate about travel. We want to make the travel experience either if you're about to go to a place or you're at a destination or even finished your destination and want to know where to go next. We want to make that as real as possible. Um, and the way we do that is through written content, video, uh, making that come alive as much as possible with our YouTube channel. And then even like visual, that would be a little bit more audio and, and, and like actual living experience. And then, you know, visual experience from an Instagram perspective with at via travelers.com at via travelers. But we write about places all over the world. I'm just one of one member of the team. We have a number of different other contributing writers, all with varying perspectives on their experiences. But what at its root, what we focus on is the true personal lens of destinations around the world. That's awesome. We'll, we'll definitely include links to that in the show notes. If somebody has questions about your website, about Amsterdam, or any of the other places that you cover on your site, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Yeah, you can you can find us uh, via our YouTube channel. To, is is a great spot just via Travelers. YouTube now has handles, so it's at via Travelers V I A, and then Travelers with one L uh, via Travelers, and then every other social media handle is at via Travelers. Same spelling, uh, so you can find us on any of those channels: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and. Uh, all the others that exist out there, but, um, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of them out there for sure. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link to those in the show notes and Kyle, again, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. It kind of brought back a, a lot of cool memories for me as well. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah. Thank you a lot, Lee. Uh, it was great to be on. What an awesome conversation with Kyle. I love both of my visits to Amsterdam and it'd be wonderful to return with the rest of my family. You can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide to Kyle's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Amsterdam. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5.00. Join us next time as we head to Johannesburg, South Africa, to speak with my new friend Kenzo Poi of TantaChicago.com. In this episode, Kenzo and I talk about touring Nelson Mandela's home, going on a lion safari, and attending the Soweto Kota Festival. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. <laughs>